Hello, everyone. I'm Jack, and this is the Dev90X podcast. Day 12. Top tip for today. I'm just going to get straight into the top tip. Benfotiamine. This is a form of vitamin B1 that is between 1,000 and 1,500% more bioavailable than the standard form of B1, which is thiamine hydrochloride, the most common form that you'll get in any kind of B-complex multivitamin. I've been taking benfotiamine recently for about a week now, and the first time I took it, I immediately noticed the effect of vitamin B1 on my overall alertness, energy levels, and uh, how good I felt. Um, and so there's a lot of really good research on vitamin B1 being very helpful for energy production and helping all the different kinds of methylation uh, reactions and um, metabolisms in your body, in, in your liver, and in your cells. And um, yeah, that's my top tip for today. Vitamin B1 is amazing. And specifically, I've been using benfotiamine, which is a much more bioavailable form of vitamin B1. And it's been working wonders for me uh, in terms of my energy and alertness and all that. So that's my top tip. <laughs> uh, status update. Things are actually going pretty smoothly. I did a fair bit yesterday, mostly around training the model and collecting and editing data from Instagram. My new workflow is safe so far. Uh, Instagram doesn't know that I'm harvesting data and so they're not going to block my account. And also I created a new account with a new email address and if they're gonna block something, it'll be that one, which I don't care about. I just need to protect my main account. Um, there's so many little dot points that I wrote down for for this episode today because there's there's a lot of it's it's tricky Cre creating a machine learning model is like solving a puzzle in a way you don't really know because it's it's so complex it's like this black box of understanding that only understands or only builds an understanding based on what it can see, what goes in, in the training phase. And it's up to, up to us as the architects of the machine learning models to give it the right data to represent the things that we want it to learn. And so the art form in training deep learning models is in selecting the right data to feed into the model and understanding how the model interprets the data to get the end result. And it's just been so fun watching this roll out using CreateML because you can train the model in CreateML and immediately test it. And it's got a really nice visual UI where you can see it, you can see it playing back its predictions in real time over new video content. Uh, and also you can see the skeleton and, and what the vision model is, is seeing when it, when it goes in as training data. So yeah, it's very interesting. And it's also very interesting to feed it a lot of data from Instagram, which is in a way, the data that I'm getting is very messy. Um, 
you know, it's definitely not like studio level data. I'm not creating, I'm not creating these perfect 360 degree rotation around a model in a perfectly lit room with zero background noise kind of training data. Uh, I'm, I'm just getting random clips from Instagram and they're from all different random environments, angles, distance from the camera. And so the, the aim of the game here and lighting conditions as well, that's another big one. Uh, a lot of people have uh, an artistic um, style when it comes to like, you know, there's, there's a lot of silhouette sort of videos that are filmed in dark rooms. And the, the, vision, the, uh, the vision model that draws the skeleton struggles a lot and and that's that's the data that's going in to train the classifier it's not the actual video it's it's what the vision model can see in the video and so i've noticed that it gets quite confused with a lot of environmental things like animals it will morph the skeleton when like a dog runs into the frame um, and it'll think like part of the skeleton is on the dog or certain um, plants, certain colors of plants will, it'll think that that's, you know, somebody's knee or something and it'll just morph the skeleton to a random part of the video frame that makes no sense logically. Um, so that is, that is the challenge. That is the challenge. And I'm still, I'm still not sure if I need to be a bit more selective in getting the right training data because Ultimately, I want the, the model to be representative of how people will use it in the real world. So if people are going to be using the Handstander app, you know, at night in a dark, darkly lit room, does the model recognize that? Is, has it been trained on, on that? And so I'm still not sure about that specifically. And maybe I, I need a little bit of help from someone more experienced to answer the, these questions. There are a couple of interesting things that I found as um, new confusions. I'm, I'm just going to call them confusions because typically what you get is at the end when you train a model based on all the different classes, it you can get a confusion matrix out of it, which is a, a grid of each prediction and the probability that it'll get that prediction right for that class um, versus confusing it with a different class that's very similar to that. Uh, and so I'm just calling them confusions. I'm not sure if there's like a real word for it, but there are different postures that it can easily get confused when I'm trying to, I'm trying to get it to understand handstand or not handstand. Uh, it gets very confused with headstand because one of the only differences there is that, you know, the headstand or forearm stand, I should say, is that the arms are, the forearms are flat on the ground and the, the hand position is behind the head. But the legs and the torso and the rest of the body is basically doing the same thing as a handstand. So that is very confusing and I need a lot of data to help it differentiate between headstand and handstand or forearm stand, headstand and handstand. And I just discovered a new one, uh, which I'm surprised I didn't think of before, but plow and shoulder stand also are quite confusing. 
And there's a lot less data on Instagram for plow and shoulder stand in video format. I've already had a look on the hashtag and it's definitely not a popular one to be posting just by itself. So I might have a little bit of trouble training the model specifically for that new class. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be enough data. I just need to spend a bit more time scrolling the grams. Uh, the, other, the other one is handstand push-up. So when you're in a handstand, the model recognizes that quite well now. But then if you do a push-up, you transition from push-up uh, from handstand to what looks more like a headstand. And I don't particularly want the model to jump from one classify classification to that one. Um, as to me, a handstand push-up is just a handstand with, uh, you know, a tough push movement in, in included. I was thinking maybe I can train the whole movement of handstand push-up to be its own class. So I'll take data of people who are in a handstand already and then they push, they go down and then up and then that whole movement can get trained in separately as its own class. But the problem with that is the full movement of the handstand push-up is between three and 10 seconds depending on how long the push part of it takes. A lot of people get stuck on that push bit because it's really, really challenging. Um, and I'm training the model. Now, I, I was doing it in half second chunks. So it'll do a, predic a prediction on 15 frames of the video. Uh, and I move that to one second chunk. So it'll do a prediction for every one second of the video. And that seems to work a bit better. I didn't want it to be too long because entering into a handstand only takes half a second to a second. And I want, to, I want to count the time that somebody's in a handstand accurately. So if I, let's say, for example, I made the prediction window 10 seconds, then it wouldn't be able to accurately predict the time in a handstand uh, because, you know, <laughs> like it'll, it, might, it might make the prediction that somebody just did an entry into a handstand for a whole 10 second window of time. And then they've gone in and they've gone out and the whole thing happened in, in that one prediction window. Uh, so one second seems to be bang on the money at the moment, which is great. But a handstand push-up is like three to 10 seconds for one rep. And so I can't actually train a handstand push-up to be, to be recognized by, uh, by the model because it's too similar to a handstand and it's too similar to a headstand, and it takes too long to train it in one prediction window. Uh, so that's interesting. That's like a kind of, not a flaw, but uh, a challenge if I wanted to build handstand push-ups into the model. I did think that you could use logic to solve this problem in the code. So logically, if somebody, if the prediction goes handstand to headstand and then back to handstand, logically I could derive that that was a handstand push-up because it's pretty difficult to transition from uh, handstand to forearm stand. That's a tough transition to make and then back again. Um, and yeah, logically the only thing that that could be is like some crazy, you know, transition or just a handstand push-up. 
So that's cool. I can definitely build some logic into the end, um, into the model and into the app in the end to create more variety of experiences. I, here's another dot point. I would have wasted so much time if I tried to collect all the data based on my initial hypothesis of what the data needed to be before training a, an early V1 and V2 of the model. So initially I was kind of, I had an idea of training, how to train the model. I, I thought, all right, let's grab clips of people doing a handstand and not doing a handstand. And when I was editing the clips, I was, I was taking it from like the person was standing up and then they, and they, they went down, put their hands on the floor, then they went up into the handstand, then they came out of the handstand and that was the handstand. It was like the whole thing. And then for, for other, it was just, you know, they were walking around, they were sitting down, they were going through a yoga flow, just all other different kinds of movements. The thing is this didn't, this didn't actually work because the, there was too much confusing overlap between not in a handstand and being in a handstand. Um, specifically with pre preparing to handstand. So somebody could, could crouch down and put their hands on the ground and then suddenly the algorithm would be like, oh, that's a handstand uh, because I put that in the classification for handstand. And, and so, you know, <laughs> obviously, according to the AI, not very difficult to do a handstand. <laughs> you can just put your hands on the ground and suddenly you're in a handstand. Um, and so my initial hypothesis was wrong and I had to immediately change the, the structure for my data so that I could get this, this whole uh, classification working properly. And so the next iteration is what it, what it is now. Let's call it V2. Um, I'm going, to call, I'm going to call it Handstand Vision V2. How about that? That sounds cool. All right. Handstand Vision V2 is, at the moment, eight different classes. Let me just pull them up here. We've got Entry into the Handstand. That's its own class. We've got Handstand. We've got Exiting from the Handstand. So Handstand itself is actually three classes. You've got Entry, Handstand, Exit. And this helps a lot to differentiate between a handstand. Then I've got the, pretty much the same for headstand because the entry into a headstand is actually a different setup sequence. And when I say headstand, I mean headstand or forearm stand. Um, typically, it's, it takes a bit of prep. You've got to get down on the ground. You go into like a dolphin pose. Uh, you put your forearms you know, in front of your head or you, you lock your hands behind your head in a triangle and then you, you go up into dolphin pose and then you kick, kip up from there. So the entry into a headstand actually looks totally different to a, to a handstand. And that's one of the, the best ways that I can help differentiate a handstand from a headstand using logic later on. If the entry looked like a headstand entry, then there's a higher probability that that person is doing a headstand, not a handstand. Um, and then exiting from a headstand also typically looks different from exiting from a handstand. Uh, typically people go back down the way they came up rather than over, over backwards or sideways. Whereas handstand, you can come back down, you can go over 
over backwards, you can go sideways. There's a lot of different ways you can exit from a handstand. Then I've got uh, shoulder stand, is that? Yeah, shoulder stand or plow. I've bundled those two into one, into one class. And I don't really, I only have three clips so far for that. And then I've got other, which is just everything else. It's just, you know, it's the whole yoga flow sequence. It's people standing up, walking around, sitting down, laying down, just everything else. Um, but I, I have realized that I do need to be a little bit strategic with how I balance the other class because there's a lot of, there's a lot of other that it needs to recognize. <laughs> And having a balanced other class will help it further differentiate from the classes that I actually want to pick up on. So I've got 188 clips in total now and eight different classes. And this model that I trained last night has an, a validation accuracy of 60%, which is not very high, and a training accuracy of 78%, uh, which is sort of average. Um, and then watching it back on the clips, it is, it's mostly good, but on some clips it just gets it totally wrong and that's bothersome for me. So there's definitely a lot of room for improvement. And I think the reason why the validation is so low at the moment is because I've got one class in there with only three clips in it and that's just completely not enough. Uh, so, and so yeah, that's, um, that's my model at the moment. It's, it's taken some time. There's a lot of editing to do and I'm enjoying the editing process. I just put on some music and it's just a very repetitive thing now that I've got a well-defined uh, process and a, a well-defined selectivity on what I'm looking for. Oh, on that note with selectivity, so I've, I've actually created some, some hard criteria for these different classes. Um, for example, with entry, I now have an angle that the legs are at where that's the, that's the, the cutoff point for an entry. And then I, I leave a gap between where the legs are going up into a handstand and then the legs are in a handstand. I actually leave some space where I don't train, I don't train the handstand class at the immediate next frame of the entry, I leave a bit of a blank space because I want to create separation between the two rather than overlap. Because overlap creates confusion, whereas separation creates clarity. And that's something that I've learned. So that is pretty cool. I, with eight classes, I need 400 clips. So there's still a heck of a lot of, <laughs> of uh, editing to do. Um, but I'm starting to get to the point now where I'm like, okay, this is, this is functional and the video clips that I'm testing it on are working overall pretty good. And it feels like getting it to the point of being really good is just a question of having enough data. So I'm starting to think about next steps of moving forward, getting the Swift app up, getting my... <laughs> development environment set up for building iOS and just getting into the thick of that. 
So that is the update for today. I'm getting excited again, and I'm really enjoying this project as things are moving forward. So thanks for listening, everyone, and I'll catch you in the next one.